who wants to play video games? Daddy, why did you eat my fries? I bought them and they were mine. Who are you guys? We're Finn and Jake. We're your friends. You're a psycho jerk and you ruined my life. I never said you had to be perfect. Now I have a memory of your memory and my memory. You don't remember anything, do you? Oh, Marceline, I never know what's gonna set you off. Did I look pretty fly? Why is everybody messing with me? We have a long history together. It's, it's a long story. <gasps> Hello, world. Welcome to Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast. I'm John Moe, joined as per usual by my co-host, Open Mike Eagle, who also hosts the Secret Skin podcast. But, but I'm glad, and there's no way to shorten glad, so I'll just have to be glad to be here talking glue. about it. I'm glue. I'm glue to yeah, be talking glue. about Adventure Time here with you. And today we have four big, heavy episodes to talk about. That's for sure. And also later in the show, I'm going to be talking with the voice of Marceline, Olivia Olson. She's going to talk about some of the backstory to that Rebecca Sugar song in the Stakes miniseries, the miniseries we are discussing today. So stay tuned for that conversation. And we'll have another episode of Conversation Parade on Friday after the last four episodes of Stakes air. Yep, stay tuned for that as well. But first, we got to get into these first four episodes. Now, what jumps out at me right out of the gate with Stakes is that Marceline is not the person who I thought she was. And I think, I don't know if she's been living a lie, but she's been putting on a front for a long mm. time, possibly as long as a thousand years. Because we've always known Marceline, the vampire queen, to be this uh, very confident kind of uh, a little bit above it all uh, vampire and and very you know very very at peace with who she is and right. what you get right out of the gate here is that she is not that person she is not uh, she's done with being a vampire and the final straw seems to be when she can't reach her umbrella because the sun will burn her fingers and even though they grow back right away it's just the final straw she goes to Princess Bubblegum saying, I don't want to be a vampire anymore. And uh, and then delivers this line that that right at the top of the the first episode for this miniseries, and it, it breaks your heart right out of the gate. She says, Some bad things happened to me when I was little. When I became a vampire, I was just a messed up kid. Now it's a thousand years later and I'm still messed up. I don't want to spend eternity like this with this emptiness. I want to grow up. Just broke wow. my heart. She's she's in a bad it, way. It's the first time that we're seeing Marceline as possibly post-traumatic. You know, yes. we've never really seen her character as some sort of um, product of a multitude of uh, tragedies. The whole stake series, at least what we've seen so far. Um, I mean, you you open with burned fingertips and a longing to be de-vampirized and have part of yourself kind of taken away and then it builds into some some flashbacks and some clashes with uh, a tribe of vampires a, a set of vampires who uh, apparently are able to come back onto the earth once Marceline rids herself of vampirism which makes Marceline all the sadder as a character because apparently the way this works is that the vampires have to exist somewhere and if they don't exist out in the world Marceline must carry five vampires inside of her by by sucking up their souls and 
and just slogging around in day-to-day life with five vampire souls, at least five vampire souls in her body at all times. I just want to take a look at this gang uh, as they compare to other villains because my my right. first thought is was okay we got some some real bad guys here but I don't know how do you think they compare as bad guys to say the lich or the orgolorg I don't think they're as bad as those guys I tend to put this vampire squad um, a little bit closer to where I put the lich hmm. in terms of a villain who um their who who their appearances kind of inspire just a weight a gravity yeah and and feeling like they're they're really um a force that needs to be dealt with immediately or else i'm not uh i'm not comfortable with what havoc they might choose to wreak on the characters that i love well and and that gets into this sort of uh how marceline chooses to deal with them she sets out to destroy them all over again she wants to stake them all over again, even though, uh, as the Vampire King points out, he's not victimizing people anymore. All he's doing is just draining some livestock. He's switched over to animals, and uh, all he's doing is harmlessly drawing a clockwork orange eye makeup on some cows, sucking their blood, and then dancing with them. So really, yeah, it is it is darn creepy, but it's not homicidal yeah. like it used to be. I don't know. Like, I feel like like this is one of those situations. It's like a minority report type of situation where Marceline perceives that there's going to be crimes committed by these vampires and so won't let them just hide out in the woods, sucking some blood out of some livestock. Well, and and I think that she's on in her instincts in terms of how we see the other vampires behaving. The fool doesn't have much of much time to necessarily uh, wreak much havoc as he's his soul is sucked again pretty early on after being reborn. But uh, we see the Empress immediately wanting uh, human blood. We see the Hierophant talking about going back to the old ways. Right. Which I I'm not a hundred percent sure what that means, but I don't think it has much to do with with slow dancing with cows. <laughs> it sounds like something something a little bit more sinister than that. And then we've yet to really hear from Sister Moon, but um, for the most part, I think she's Marceline is dead on in in terms of uh, feeling like these guys are a threat that needs to be dealt with somehow. And when they show her sucking the souls of these these beings, they seem to be laughing as their souls uh, move into her body. Yeah, and and. Um, I mean, so the first question is like, what's so dang funny about having <laughs> having your soul sucked, you know? And then I wonder what led her to believe or understand that she needed to, like, inhale these souls. I, I guess maybe just to get the powers that they have. But how would she even know that? Like, how would she know that? Right. that um, like, that's a kind of a weird gamble to take, you know, like if you um, if you suck this this being soul that you might get. Uh, you know, some some supernatural power that they possess. It makes me think, well, I kind of, aren't we all kind of carrying around our own vampire souls and have to kind of go on anyway? Like, I'm sure you've seen some things that you really would rather not have seen or experienced things in your life that you'd rather not have gone through. But that you know, you sucked up that soul, you sucked up that moment or that memory 
and it's trapped inside you, that the, the effluvium of that cannot be extricated by Princess Bubblegum's magic tanning bed. And therefore, you've got to carry it around uh, eternally, uh, f- you know, for, for all eternity as far as you know. And, and maybe Marceline, maybe that's the fate that she's ultimately resigned to, even when she tried to get that out of her system. Yeah, I mean, how traumatic of an incident is it for you to have spent who knows how long fighting something only to have you become the thing that you hate and have to live with that forever? It's just a psychological trauma to that that that, uh, it's got to be hard to understand. And um, it seems that for the most part, her strategy has been to do everything she can to quell the uh, the vampire instinct so eating the red instead of uh blood instead of blood and you know but how it, you know it, it leads you to question how she even came by that i mean you know like that that had to be a happy accident i, I doubt very much that there was a lot of science involved in that you know i suppose it's a little like how you spent years and years uh trying to kill rappers until you ultimately <laughs> became one yourself oh lord <laughs> Oh, I'm going to go cry now, John. Thank you. Yes, you're right. Jake, I don't want to hurt you, but you should know things get crazy when I'm hungry. Like, how crazy? I'm going to go into feral mode. All right, you wanted to talk about the Ice King here. Yeah, surprise, surprise. I want to talk about the Ice King. I know it's shocking, right? Is it shocking, (laughs) John, that I want to talk about the Ice King? (laughs) All out of Magic Man topics, Mike? (laughs) I mean, if he had made the slightest appearance, (laughs) believe me, there would be an entire episode devoted to him. Right. But um, we got Ice King instead, who actually plays uh, quite a large part in the last uh, episode of the four that we were presented with. Uh, The Empress Vampire... um, it doesn't take her long after being reborn to remember that she had quite the the slave, quite the reliable slave in the Ice King. And so she uh, speeds over to his castle, his uh, his land, as fast as she can to try to reclaim him as a slave. Um, now, upon seeing her, he uh, he's automatically... Um, entranced in a sense just because it's a woman who wants something to do with him Mm. and that seems to have not been the case for quite some time well her superpower Um, is to hypnotize people and get them to do her bidding she wakes him up and he is instantly in her thrall you don't think it's because she hypnotized him i think that when he opened his eyes and saw those footsteps he was afraid and when those footsteps turned out to be a woman using some sort of invisibility cloak and that woman intentionally um, was getting close to him and wanting something from him, he was just immediately there no matter what. I think he was, he was just down. Yeah. He was down. Hello, Simon. Oh, lady. Hi. Um, now, she does hypnotize him, and there is some question as to whether or not this had any effect at all. But for the most part, it doesn't seem to radically change uh, the behavior of the ice king that we're used to. She wants him to um, fetch her some some blood, mm-hmm. and he runs and gets one of the penguins, and presents that, um, and she wants no part of it. Now, this is our first our first question here: is is if he definitely was not hypnotized, and uh, any woman, let's say Princess Bubblegum, decided to be interested in him one day, mm-hmm. and um, asked him to bring her some blood. Would he just as quickly go and get a penguin and present it to PB if she had asked him to do so? I think he would 
I think if anybody came to his door and wanted to eat one of his penguins, he would just <laughs> offer them up. Maybe not Gunter, so, but maybe Gunter also. Maybe, just maybe. But um, so yeah, that's our first sign that maybe he's not hypnotized. But then when she does not want the penguin blood, she wants the top shelf stuff. She wants the delicacy. Yes. She wants the human. Right. So um, he seemed to deliver Finn in a little uh, uh, robe burrito. Mm -hmm. He was just gonna hand. Hand Finn over. Um, he actually chased around Marceline and Finn uh, at the request of the Empress. Um, he seemed to want to do anything to make her happy until she asked him to dispatch with Marceline and he wouldn't do it. Minion, I order you to kill Marceline. What? No way. She's my pal. Are you disobeying me? It's called real talking. Which is interesting because... For the most part, when we see the Ice King and Marceline interact, uh, there is a friendship there, an acquaintanceship, but he doesn't seem to remember very much of their history. Right. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that this is where his boundary is. Like, I'll do anything to make you happy. Um, I'll give you my penguin. I'll give you uh, <laughs> my only human friend. But I will not give you Marceline. But does he necessarily remember why? And it makes me wonder, um, because he doesn't seem to have much memory of day to day. Even when um, when the Empress uh, comes upon him in his bed and uh, she asks him, does does he remember her? He's trying to think just from a few days ago that they meet at a party. Like, he doesn't seem to have much memory uh, day to day. Right. But he has this diary that the Empress finds immediately and starts reading from. So it seems like he's writing in it every day and it's been writing in it for thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and she's in there. Oh, this is riveting. The Empress is so nice. Today she let me polish her boots with my tongue. That's almost like kissing, right? So he's writing in it every day, but is he reading it? Because if he is, then he'd have more of a memory of everything that's happened from from Simon all the way to now, right? But uh, but he's never had that sense of self-awareness. He's never really exactly. understood himself. Even when he's recording the video diary uh, to Marceline, and she, she's standing just a few feet away, and he's he wants to complete this video diary. By the end of it, he just knocks the camera over and, and just moves on to the next phase of his life. There, There is evidently enough awareness enough self-awareness to write things down in the diary but then an almost disregard for the things that he's written because he he will never heed any lessons and and uh and we we see this in in earlier episodes too of, of video diaries that he's made where the only thing that he's really shocked and appalled by was the glasses that simon petrikov wore yeah and it, it is interesting that uh, there's enough self-awareness to write down almost every day to make these video diaries of these moments. It seems somewhat important to him, but to have no intention or no awareness of, or no possibility of ever like going back over these things and putting the entire picture together. What do we make of Marceline as she is being uh almost crucified really when when the townspeople are convinced that she's the one who's been draining all their animals of blood they strap her to the blade of a windmill just as the sun is coming up hoping to burn her to death and what she thinks may be her dying words don't let anyone read my diaries burn them, ben, 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 ben. 
it underscores this interesting thing that's happening with these characters, specifically these two deathless characters. Yeah, um, they're diarists. And their relationship, yeah, their relationships to their diaries, their relationships to their own memories, and how they're they're willing to document these things and keep these things. But in Ice King's case, he doesn't. He either can't or doesn't want to read the things. And in her case. She's documenting them all, but what's the purpose if it's so embarrassing? Like, what is what is the purpose of keeping a thousand years of record of her life and, and not wanting to share it with anybody? Don't let anyone read my diaries! Burn them, <laughs> When the sun first hit her, she had this flashback. And then he said, fine. And that's the story of how I met your dad. We have this scene with um, a young Marceline looks, looking maybe two or three years old. Uh, is talking with her mother, and her mother's telling the very end, uh, the very end of the story right. of how she met um, she met Marceline's father, who we know to be the demon Hunson Abadir, mm-hmm. and um, not only happy to have seen Marceline's mother, but uh, also happy that it appears to be that her mother is a character of color. Um, yes. I know we haven't met a lot of humans in Adventure Time. We've met very few. We've seen some um, interdimensional stuff where there might be more people and uh, some flashbacks to where there were humans. And um, it uh, it struck me that this character was, was very obviously overtly brown. We hadn't really seen uh, much of that. I probably have a heightened awareness of that kind of thing. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the kind of thing that not necessarily in Adventure Time, but in... in in terms of the type of pop culture that I enjoy, yeah, um, me and a lot of my friends who are also people of color, we often discuss how, um, you know, we'll go on Netflix and, you know, you we'll see all the interesting looking independent movies and they're usually good, unique stories about people's having unique life experiences, um, you know, not traditional stock trite stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, ninety nine percent of these movies completely. Uh, non people of color right. uh, casting right you know so um whenever there is a a brown character and something that i enjoy um yeah it's a good moment it's a good thing for me i like I, it i know? like that too i think that that's fantastic i i wonder when you watch something like adventure time do you think of those characters who are blue and pink and purple as being uh, Caucasian or African American at their roots, or do you just say, "Oh, that's just a pink guy"? In Adventure Time, my thoughts on that matter typically are constrained to the characters who we know to be human. Um, right. Like we've met vampires in this arc, and and one of them uh, was voiced by Ron Funches, who's an African American, and um, like you can hear that that character. Is probably a person of color just in the way that they speak. This just a general use of a uh, slang, mm-hmm. uh, and not that that's always a one-to-one correlation, right. but uh, it certainly seemed that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have identified that vampire as being like a culturally brown <laughs> vampire at all. <laughs> I just would, you know. It, especially if he hangs out with a guy with with a lion head and chicken feet, like you yeah. Know what I mean, it's, the traditional it's race archetypes to, um, kind of fall away a little bit at that point. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, something that struck me about about these episodes is that Finn and Jake really don't need to be 
the lead characters of this show any longer. Hmm. In the beginning, it, it was Adventure Time with Finn and Jake, and all the stories were about their adventures, and all the other characters were about how uh, those characters affected Finn and Jake, and especially Finn. And this has shown, like, in, in the intervening years since the whole series was conceived, there's been such wonderful character development on on so many of these characters, including Marceline, now yeah. more than ever with this this miniseries, but of Princess Bubblegum, of the Ice King, of of a lot, even of Lemon Grab. There's a lot of things that have really developed deeper, and a lot of episodes that seem to veer off from Finn and Jake. Um, and it it's gotten to the point with me where I I think it could be a Banana Man episode, it could be a a Marceline episode, a Princess Bubblegum episode. And it could involve Finn and Jake, or it could not involve Finn and Jake. And I think I would be equally happy with with any result. I don't I don't need the the primacy of Finn and Jake to ground the show uh, and ground all these fantastical adventures like maybe I used to do. You know, I actually feel like Finn is a little bit more mature in these episodes and i know chronologically uh the age of finn lines up with uh the voice actor who plays him and he's supposed to be 17 now uh, mm. and and i feel i feel a little bit of that i feel like finn is watching a lot of these events unfold with a little bit more reserve uh and a little bit more like like he seems to just kind of be annoyed at some of the some of the stuff that's happening and and kind of just wants like almost like he kind of wants everything to be a little bit more chill now where before he would always run into situations just sword swinging um right trying to just trying to fight whatever there is to be fought um I see him doing a lot more pleading with people, like with the farmers. He's like, hey, like, what is your problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on, Finn. Let's go arrest Marceline. Yeah! Yeah! Wait a minute. We don't even know if Marceline did this. That's right. I forgot about Ooh's extensive vampire community. Uh, come on. Yeah, but we need to conduct a proper investigation. It seems that, like to be maybe a little bit older of a Finn that we're dealing with here. And, uh, and I kind of like that. And I think it's interesting, too, um, that Jake is so viscerally afraid of vampires. It seems to um, yes. bring out this panic in him. I have a theory. Uh-oh. You want to know my theory? Of course All I right. do. <laughs> Here's my theory. Is that when you see the monster that has been sucking up these this livestock, sucking on these cows and ducks and such, it's not... The first time you see it, it's not in the form of a vampire. It's not in the form of the vampire king or the fool or or right. any the Hierophant or any of these other vampires that, that we will go on to meet. And I haven't done a side-by-side -side comparison, but my first thought when I saw it is that's the beast, that's the monster that bit Joshua in the Joshua and Margaret oh, Investigations episode. Oh, boy. Which is ultimately, when you think about it, the the true father of Jake. I mean, it implanted a seed that grew in Joshua's head and then sprung forward and was Jake. So maybe, here's a couple of thoughts. Uh, maybe there is an element of vampire in Jake. Wow. If, uh, 
if there's a similarity in these monsters or I just think I just think there there's potential resonance between this monster that's out there doing things and needs to be chased through the woods. Mm. Um, that's the same scenario we had in that other episode. And maybe it's coincidence, but maybe it's not coincidence. Vampire, I'm going to kick you. Vampire, I'm going to lick you. Vampire. <gasps> Olivia Olson is the voice of Marceline on Adventure Time and the co-author with her dad, Martin Olson, of the Enchiridion and Marcy's Super Secret Scrapbook. Olivia Olson, nice to talk Hello. to you again. Thank you for having me back. Well, so happy to have you back. So what did you think when you read the script that Marceline wants to stop being a vampire? Um, I was kind of shocked by it at first, but then sort of when you get into the series, you kind of understand why she would want to do something like that. She's lived such a long, complicated life that mm -hmm. um, I could see why she's, you know, just wants to be back to normal, whatever normal is for a, a thousand-year-old demon. <laughs> did the revelation that she wants to not be a vampire anymore, does that change how you approach playing the character? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I guess it has to. Um, and at the time, I didn't really think that, but you're giving me good questions. <laughs> um, I was simultaneously writing... Um, the book while the miniseries was um, starting to record. Okay. So that sort of, when I was writing the book um, for Marcy Super Secret Scrapbook, I was very much so thrust into the way that her character is thinking. Let's talk about the book. This is the Enchiridion and Marcy's Super Secret Scrapbook. Uh, what was your process for, for writing this, this book? How did this come about in the first place, actually? Pendleton. He sought out my dad to write it because he had just wrote the Adventure Time Encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. And so he sort of was bouncing ideas off of him. And he said, I don't really want to, you know, write a book that's the book of the show without having any of the characters be a part of it. So how can we do this so, you know, everybody is involved? So he came up with the idea that Hunson Abadir created this app, which is like a magical reading texting app that if all of your friends are reading the same book series, they can all comment and talk about it throughout the book. Um, so to do so, he cast a spell of Elmer's on it because the Enchiridion is 10,000 years old, it's falling apart, um, <sighs> and he didn't realize that he had set the book down on top of Marceline's diary. So at first we had the thought of doing Marceline's journal, which you see in the series because you see Ben Kyridian, right. you see Marceline's journal. So it started out, um, Oh, I think I wrote up probably every episode I've been in just a little blurb from, uh, you know, her side of things. What would she think after that? episode happened mm -hmm. and that's originally i believe what we submitted and then we decided to scratch it all <laughs> <laughs> because we were first informed about the mini series which was such good storyline that we just really wanted to use as well as we kind of thought maybe we should give the fans what they've been 
asking about for these past couple of years, which is more backstory and sort of her trials and tribulations of mm. the apocalypse with Simon. So we just kind of, once we stuck to that um, concept, it was really kind of easy to run with it. My co-host, Mike, and I are kind of fixated on how often diaries keep coming up on the show lately. Uh, there's the Ice King's diary that gets read aloud. And of course, he's not embarrassed because he does not know the concept of shame. Uh, but when when Marceline is tied to this windmill and the sun is coming up in what may be, she thinks, her final words, she screams, don't read my diary. Why is she so concerned about no one reading her diary? Um, I think there's a lot there. I mean, she definitely puts all of her thoughts and feelings into it. It gets pretty, pretty personal. Um, but I think maybe part of her also knows that she knows she didn't do anything, that she didn't kill the, the cows, the farmer's cows or anything. But I think she kind of maybe knows that it has something to do with her and the contraption that PV put her in. Mm, okay. Um, so I think it's equal parts embarrassment and shame and equal parts. Okay. They're going to kill me, but I might be sort of guilty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so she might be feeling a little bit ashamed for releasing these creatures. <laughs> Mm, okay. There's a, a wonderful song in the Stakes miniseries between Marceline and her mother. And the song is written by Rebecca Sugar and, and sung by Rebecca Sugar, right? Yeah. Let's go in the garden. You'll find something waiting. Right there where you left it, lying upside down. When you finally find it, you'll see how it's faded. The underside is lighter when you turn it around. Everything stays right where you um, It's such a beautiful song. What's the song about? Oh, I actually got a chance to pick Rebecca Sugar's brain about this. Okay. Um, she, I mean, well, it's obviously such a great metaphor for Marceline as a vampire. Um her not being able to change physically, but she definitely changes mentally and emotionally throughout the thousand of years that she's on the earth. Mm -hmm. um, even though she's trapped in the same body and always will be. But Rebecca actually was inspired to write it by she lost her teddy bear when she was a kid and she found it like six months later in her mom's garden and she said, wow, you know, I've I haven't touched it. It's been here for this many months, but it was all faded white. And on the other side, it was it was still the way that it looked. Uh -huh. So it was, she kind of said, that moment sort of really stuck with me. And it was kind of, wow, you know, you can not change anything and you can keep it somewhere and it can be untouched, but it'll still change because everything changes. So is the idea that Marceline is the same person she's always been. Her heart is the same and some things might change or fade or, or alter a little bit, but when you come back to it, it's the same. 
No, I think the whole thing is that it's different. Um, she's trapped in this this body that stays the same. She's never going to change physically. Uh, I think that's probably why she goes so crazy with her outfits and her hair. <laughs> uh-huh. Um but on the inside, I think, is where she's changing. She stays the same on the outside, but on the inside, she's grown. Um, she's definitely matured, and there's nothing really on the outside to show for that. Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast, is a production of Infinite Guest and American Public Media. It's hosted by me, John Moe, and Open Mike Eagle, who also hosts the Secret Skin podcast. The Adventure Time end credit song you're hearing was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. The Daddy Fries song that you heard earlier was written by Rebecca Sugar and sung by Olivia Olson. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Special thanks to Cartoon Network for their support. Hey, we want to hear from you. Go to iTunes and review us. Write glowing, fabulous reviews. Give us five stars or, you know, do whatever you want. Do what you think is right. But it's really valuable when you guys do that on iTunes. Also, go to infiniteguest.org, find Conversation Parade, and find an episode, and you can leave a comment in our comment section. Mike and I love to chat with you over there. You can also click on the link to send us an email from that page. We're on Twitter as well. I'm at John Moe. Mike is at Mike underscore Eagle. And we're at Infinite Guest.